I, I, am, I am really overjoyed. I want to welcome you to RUF. Um, I, I don't want it to sound like if you're not here, then you're not like a part or a priority. Thankful for everyone who is, who is a part of what's going on tonight. Uh, thankful for our worship band for figuring this out. Thankful for the, for the interns who set this up. Thankful for all of you who are, who are here and who are tuning in and who are a part of what God is doing uh, in this place and at this time. And I, I, I know you're not done yet. I know you have a lot still uh, to do, final papers and projects and presentations and then exams coming up, but, but you are actually making it. And, and you're going to make it. And I'm really, really proud of you. And I want you to know that Jesus is really, really proud of you. That he actually sees you and he cares about what you've been going through. And, and he honors you and the work that you're doing in his name. So thank you for that. Um, we are finishing our series on the parables, on the stories of Jesus. And then we are finishing them by, by looking not at a parable, but at a real story. In fact, the best part of the best story, which is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I know that many of you uh, have already heard Easter sermons, and so I am sort of feeling free to not give a normal Easter sermon, even though we're going to look at the story of the resurrection of Jesus from, from Matthew 28. But we've looked at, uh, at these stories that Jesus has told all semester about the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about uh, stories about growth, stories about light, stories about our hearts, stories about forgiveness. Stories about our value and our work. Stories about being found. And tonight we're finishing by looking at the best part of the best story. It's the story of Jesus. And it's at the center and the apex of everything that he says the kingdom of heaven is about, which he invites you and me into. So we're going to read from Matthew 28, 1 through 10. It's on the back of your handout or it's going to be on the screen if you're on Zoom. But please read along with me from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm really thankful for uh, this chance to be together, thankful for the good news of Easter morning, of the empty tomb, of the risen Christ. And Jesus, we, we praise you that you rose from the dead, and you say that that same spirit that rose you from the dead is at work in us. And I pray that that spirit would be at work right now through this word so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I grew up on the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, which some of you have, have probably read. And in, and in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a story of these four children, Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy. 
and they uh, find their way through a magical wardrobe into a magical land called Narnia, okay? And it's pretty early in the book that they end up in Narnia, if you're reading it. It's one of those nice books where you don't have to wait 100 pages before the fun stuff happens. But as they get into Narnia, you're sort of waiting if it's your first time hearing the story. And if you're thinking about their perspective, you're sort of waiting to see what the story is about. And at first, the story is about, you know, a sister and a brother who are in a fight. And then the story is about, hey, cool, a magical land. And then the story is sort of about, oh, my goodness, we really have to save Mr. Tumnus. And then the story is sort of about, hey, where are we going to, where are we to get dinner tonight? And then the story is like, we don't know where we are and how to get back to the lamppost so that we can get through the wardrobe. And, and you're reading this and you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. And then this weird thing happens where these children meet a talking beaver. And, and if that's ever happened to you, you know that it, it's a weird situation when you come across a talking beaver. And, and this beaver sort of beckons them to come and he pulls them further into the woods. And then he gathers them close and he whispers to them. And I'm, I'm going to read this because it is better. His words are better than mine. This is what happens. Then signaling the children to stand as close around him as they possibly could so that their faces were actually tickled by its whiskers, it added in a low whisper, They say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps has already landed. And now a very curious thing happened. None of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do, but the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it has sometimes happened to you in a dream that someone says something which you don't understand, but in the dream, it feels as if it had some enormous meaning, either a terrifying one which turns the whole dream into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning, too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are always wishing you could get into that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. And, and I thought of that story because it, it, in this story, all of a sudden, these children realize at just the name of Aslan, they start to realize what the story is about. And as you're reading it, you start to realize reading that, that the story just isn't about four children. It's not just about a magical land. And it's not just about where they're going to get dinner. It's not just about what happened to Mr. Tumnus. It's not just about that. It's about something grander and larger and more important and more profound and more beautiful, more majestic than they could have imagined. And, and as we look at this, at this story of uh, these two women named Mary, these are, these are two friends of Jesus. These are two of a, of a group of women who are traveling with Jesus and his disciples, caring for their needs as they ministered to the poor and to the sick and to the needy. They are in a moment where their stories are in crisis. Because they've been following Jesus around, and Jesus has, has proclaimed that he's the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus has been proving that's true by speaking words of power and authority. He's been proving that's true by healing the sick. He's been proving that's true by wonders and miracles and signs. And more and more momentum and energy is going into this story of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, one night, the story goes into crisis. It's the night we call Good Friday. Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, which we celebrated this past week in Holy Week, that Jesus is actually betrayed by one of his best friends. And he's arrested. And he's mocked. And he's tortured. And he's hung on a cross and killed. And then he's buried in a tomb 
with a heavy rock sealing him inside. And so you have to remember as you think about what is going on in this moment when these two women named Mary are going to the tomb, they're going because their stories are in crisis. This story that they've been living by is fallen apart. They're going to grieve. They're going, uh, we're, we're told in, in other gospels, they're going with spices to, to embalm him, to try to honor his corpse, his dead body. And everything that they had hoped for, they've now lost. And everything that they were living for is now gone. And I think that there's anything that we can agree on about the past year, it's that our, our own stories are in crisis. And we've experienced this in all kinds of ways. Our, our story with politics is in crisis. Our story with COVID is in crisis. Our story with mental health is in crisis. Our story with anxiety and loneliness is in crisis. The story of our relationships are in crisis. In all these different ways, the things in our story that we hoped, especially when you came to college, would be so great and grand are kind of of falling apart and falling into crisis. And so we're ending this series on this story of the resurrection of Jesus, because when you consider this Jesus who was raised from the dead, and when you encounter the risen Christ, all of a sudden you realize that the story that you've been living is actually far greater and far grander and far more majestic and far more important than you had realized. And if you hear anything tonight, I want you to hear that whatever you've been going through, the good and the bad and the ugly of this year, that's not the whole story, because your story is caught up in the story of Jesus who conquered sin and death out of love for you on Easter morning. And so what I I want to do here is I want to look at these, I want to look at this text and these people who who are having stories that are in crisis and they meet Jesus. Okay, and I want to look at three things. First, uh, I want to see that the risen Christ finds us. Second, that the risen Christ comforts us. And then third, that the risen Christ calls us. Okay, he finds us, he comforts us. And, and he calls us. So first, the risen Christ uh, finds us. Two, two weeks ago, Ben, happy birthday, by the way, Ben gave a, a sermon on this, on this exact idea of Jesus finding us. He talked about the, the passage from Luke where um, he tells a parable of this shepherd who goes in search of a lost sheep, right? It's one of the things that you see again and again in the Bible is this relentless pursuit of Jesus, of God for his people. But I want you to try to picture what's happening. The, the most epic and cosmic event in the history of the universe has happened. Death has been conquered. Jesus has risen from the dead. And then what does he do first? He waits around in a field for two women. He waits around for two of his friends to stop by. And and I think that's really remarkable Because what it tells us is that uh, it's true that Jesus loves the world, but it's also true that Jesus loves each of us and values each of us and sees each of us in our moments of deepest crisis. These women who have come in crisis and they've seen this angel, which is always in the Bible, by the way, terrifying. He's so terrifying, there's an earthquake. He's shining like lightning. The guards, they, they pass out in fear because of the majesty of what's happening. But Jesus waits around and has this, has this encounter. And, and the word that's used in, in your Bible, in the translation, it says greetings, which is uh, 
maybe we lose some of the effect, but the word for greeting there, it's actually the, it's actually the conversational form of the verb rejoice. He is hailing them with great joy. I don't know what exactly words he said. He's hailing them with great joy. He cares about personal encounters with each of us in the moments of our story that are in crisis. So you have this scene that's, that's intimate and that's kind and that's personal and that's caring, even though Jesus has just conquered the universe. And the good news for you in the midst of your stories and your crisis is not just that Jesus died and rose, although he did, hallelujah, but he died and rose and he cares about you. He cares for each of you. He wants to find each of you. He wants to have an encounter with each of us, with each of his children. He wants that moment of intimate, personal connection with you because he actually cares about your life. I'm comforted today by by the reality that Jesus looks for me and finds me in my places of pain. And as you read through the scriptures, you actually see a God who it's not just that he happens to sometimes show up when we're hurting. He's actually specifically and purposefully drawn towards your places of pain and emptiness. That his very heart is a posture of gravity towards your brokenness and meeting it with compassion and love. The risen Christ finds us because he cares about us. The second thing tonight, the risen Christ comforts us. One of the things that stands out if you, if you read this passage is that uh, there's a lot about being afraid in this passage. The, uh, the angel shows up and the soldiers fall asleep as if dead out of fear. And then the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. And then they run off with fear. And then they encounter Jesus who says, do not be afraid. This is sort of a story about fear. And of course, there's different kinds of of fear. And sometimes when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's referring to this this reverence, this wonder at God. But even that is an overwhelming thing that's a little bit scary when you consider the magnitude of who God is and what he is like. And so I want to ask you tonight, where are you experiencing and struggling with fear? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of your grades not being what you want? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of the unknown of your future? Are you afraid of the things in your relationships that aren't going well that you're going to have to deal with and reckon with? Are you afraid of getting COVID? Are you afraid of going home and seeing your family? Are you afraid of what's going to happen this summer and next year? What what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of your doubts? Are you afraid of your anxiety? Are you just afraid of being afraid? I mean, I feel like sometimes after a year like this, we're just so worn down with these sorts of fears. We just feel tired and numb. But where where do you feel afraid? Two times, these women are commanded, do not be afraid. One by the angel and once when they finally meet Jesus himself. It's one of the most common commands in the Bible. One of the things God tells you and me again and again is, do not be afraid. And and almost always, this phrase, do not be afraid, is accompanied with another phrase, for I am with you. 
I, I call it the Psalm 23 effect. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will not be afraid, for you are with me. And this is the chorus of God's word to you again and again, is that you don't have to be afraid because he is with you. And, and here, you see, he doesn't say, I am with you. Because his with that his with themness is actually experienced, right? They see him. They actually get to feel him. They actually get to touch him and hold him. Their comfort is in the presence of Jesus. And and I just want to tell you, as you come towards the end of a really brutal semester, that Jesus' words to you in your fear and in your hurt and in your pain are I am with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. Again and again, his word of comfort to you is that he is with you. That, that life in the kingdom of heaven is marked by the accompaniment of Jesus. That he is a king who has come to be with us. And who is present with us. Every moment, including right now and including when you leave right now and including whatever you do on Friday and Saturday night and including whatever happens in your exams, he is with you. He's a friend who has the power to change you and grow you and he's with you. He's a friend who forgives you again and again and again and again and he is with you. He's a friend who is drawn towards your pain and he's with you. He's a friend who sees every single part of you, even the dark parts and the dirty parts that you want no one to see, and he's still with you. He's that kind of friend because kingdom in the heaven is marked by the accompaniment of Jesus, which is our comfort. So the risen Christ comforts us with his presence and his love. And then lastly tonight, the risen Christ calls you. And, and I want to notice what the women do in response to this encounter and comfort of Jesus. He finds them, he encounters them, he tells them not to be afraid. And, and there, there's three things they do. First is that they, they fall down and grab his feet with their arms. Can, can, can you picture what's happening there? This is sort of like sloppy tears type stuff. Okay? They fall down and they grab Jesus. The second thing they do is they start to, to worship him. And then the third thing that they do is they go and tell other people about it. And this is the call of Jesus for those who encounter him. It's to draw near to him. It's to worship him. And then it's to bear witness to that goodness and love to the broken people in, in stories of crisis around us. That's what Jesus is calling you to. And so one of the questions that, that we face when our stories are in crisis and, and when we deal with our fears, we want to know, what do I do next? What am I supposed to do? And so I want you to know that in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your doubts and questions and uncertainties and anxieties and insecurities, I can tell you what you're supposed to do next. You're supposed to draw near to Jesus who welcomes you, who welcomes sinners to him. And, you're, and, and the next thing you're supposed to do is to worship him for what he has done for you in love and his death and his resurrection. And then the next thing you're supposed to do is to share that. Because everyone around you's story is in crisis too. And everyone around you is hurting too. And they need good news. And we have good news. 
The Jesus who's our friend. He came to be with us and he died for us and he rose again from the dead so that he might be with us forever, for now and for eternity. We draw near to him, we worship him, and then we share the good news of the gospel. The, the line that stands out to me from this, from this whole passage is after the two women see the angel, and it says in verse 8 that they departed the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. They departed the, the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. They've been told not to be afraid, but they're still a little freaked out. They're still a little afraid. They just saw an angel who told them that Jesus rose from the dead. Fear and, and great joy. And, and as we come to the end, like the story of this semester is almost over, right? And the story of this semester has had uh, brokenness and hurt and pain, and it's also have, had blessings and beauties and gifts. But, but as we finish, as we go in the presence of Jesus, we, we go still into more and more places of crisis. And if you've been alive long enough, as you guys have, you kind of get to the point where you realize there's no way out of how hard life is. And there's always new fears to encounter. And there's always new crises in our story. But you also start to realize the faithfulness of God that Jesus keeps being with you and keeps providing for you and keeps caring for you. And so that when you get to the next crisis, even though it can be terrifying, you go knowing that Jesus is with you, and so you go with joy. And so my prayer for you and for me as we finish this semester and as we try to find a way in the next couple weeks, especially as we're on spring break, to sort of process everything that's happened, to reckon with the fears that we still have, is to also go in joy, knowing that Jesus loves you and he will always be with you. It's the best part of the best story. And Jesus catches you up into that story so that it is now your story. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, your story is it's almost too good to be true. How could it be that you rose from the dead because you love us? How could it be that you conquered sin to redeem us? How could it be that you conquered death to give us life? How could it be that you promised to be with us forever? Jesus, I, I pray for these friends here tonight and the friends in our community and the friends that we, that we know are hurting in the midst of our own crises, that you would give us the joy that comes from encountering you, the risen Christ who loves us. I pray that you would make yourself known to us more and more, even as we sing this last song. Thank you that you delight to make yourself known to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.